You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio. Disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts. And our podcast, available anytime on demand at WPTF.com or through our Facebook, AARP North Carolina. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm your host, Mike Olander of AARP North Carolina, and we've got a great program for you today. Mark Hensley of AARP will be joining us to talk about the work he is doing, leading in the triad, and particularly around the topic of caregiving. But first, before we get to that, as always, ladies and gentlemen, my partner in crime here and esteemed production engineer, Mr. Jason Kong. Jason, how are you doing, buddy? I always feel great because you always give me this nice introduction. So I look forward to this program every time because I know I'm going to walk away feeling good. Is it the word esteemed? Is esteemed. That... I, I very rarely is esteemed used to describe me. So uh, this this may be the only place. I'm shocked to, to hear that because you are so <laughs> professional. Um, you never keep me waiting down in the lobby, folks. When I get here, I have to usually buzz for Jason and he comes right High right security through. that we have in this building. That's right, folks. Don't get any ideas. Jason comes running right down, lets me in, escorts me up here. Always good uh, good talk and good time once we get the tape rolling here. Um, so, Jason, um, hope your week is going well. That week has been going great, you know, enjoying the weather. So that's that's always a plus. That's right. You know, the farmer, Farmer's Almanac, excuse me, back months ago, I was checking it out and it was predicting a terrible winter for us all. Some parts of the country, definitely the case, especially if you're out west or down south, like uh, Texas and all that, the ice storms and such. But uh, here and like northeast, like I have family friends up in Jersey and Connecticut, and they have not gotten any snow this winter. It's amazing when this second half post uh, Groundhog Day part of the uh, of the winter and not a flake on the ground up there. Can't say that that happens too often. Oh, yeah. I, I can't remember the last time it happened. Anyway, uh, enough about that. I was down in uh, Charlotte this past week, which is always really great to reconnect with, uh, with colleagues, uh, volunteers, staff down there, um, and uh, community partners. Um, there's a wonderful organization that folks should look into called Leadership North Carolina. Um, they convene sort of the current and future leaders, community leaders of the state um, for some really outstanding experiences. It's basically a class that you you join and each month you go to a different part of the state and you learn about different topics and you hear from experts and you network with each other and um, it's fantastic. And um, I was one of many people at AARP who has gone through this and I reconnect with them whenever possible. We sponsor their programs. And while I was uh, there, I well, I should say this, this um, uh, past week, I happened to be there as a as a guest speaker, guest presenter, to talk about the uh, the graying of North Carolina, how our demographics are changing, and what needs to be done, and you know, encouraging these uh, current and future leaders of North Carolina to understand it and take it seriously, and to have people fifty plus um, at the table. One thing, though, I want to I want to share with you, Jason, before we get onto our discussion with our guest and, and talking about caregiving. Um, the topic of caregiving came up uh, during during my uh, my visit in Charlotte, and we got on talking about what were some of the lessons learned with COVID. And um, you know, you hear a lot about not wanting you know about not wanting to repeat history, right? And learning from history. Um, 
you, you can't do that successfully if if you're rewriting history and forgetting about uh, about how things have actually happened. You know, it's hard to learn from the uh, the um, uh, experiences of the past if you're in denial of what actually happened. And I have to say, I'm pretty astounded by the amount of should I say the very short memories um, that are out there related to to COVID. And we we wind the clock back, you know, not quite three years, but close to three years ago. Uh, when COVID was first hitting, we, it was a novel virus, and we knew very, very little about it. All we knew it was airborne, an airborne infectious disease. You didn't have to show symptoms in order to be contagious. And um, it particularly was hitting uh, older adults very, very hard, especially those who were in congregate living facilities. And um, it's amazing where we are now, where people are, first off, they're looking at the situation where we're in now and thinking, well, you know, COVID, that was, that was yesterday. We're past that. And it was all overblown and, and not, you know, we overreacted as a nation and as communities. Um, there are still 500, on average, 500 people a day in this country who are dying of COVID. Um, you do the math on that, Jason? Comes, I don't know if you're a mathematician. You're an esteemed production engineer. I don't know about mathematician. That's on uh, that rate, that's 182,000 deaths per year at that rate, right? And you know, a lot of comparisons get made to the flu. The flu, the last uh, 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 flu season we had before COVID, there were roughly 35 million cases, roughly 35,000 deaths. So just think about that uh, for a minute there, folks. 35,000, a typical flu year, uh, compared to the rate that we've got right now with COVID. And people are saying, oh, this is, this is nothing, let alone where it was. We were having 4,000 a day. Remember those rates when they were, when they were really, really high. So I just want to, you know, it just struck me, folks, that we've really, in order for us to truly learn from the lessons of the past and to be able to do things like caregiving better, um, and, and to you know, utilize those learnings um, in, in the best way possible. We've got to remember what life was like then, you know, and the challenges that were there. Um, of the 1.1 million people who have passed, Americans who have passed away from COVID so far, more than a million of them were aged 50 or older. And folks, you need to let that sink in because that's still the case now, um, especially for those who are in congregate living facilities. And um, if you are taking care of somebody in your own home, um, you do need to ha remember, you know, have a certain amount of awareness of COVID. What are the symptoms of it? It is still contagious. It is still deadly. Obviously, vaccines are not 100%. You can still pass, pass away or, you know, get very, very sick, even if you are up to date on your... Um, your vaccines and boosters. So um, I want to share that because I just think it's it's so so important, folks, that we all take it seriously and, and use use common sense. And you know the things get politicized no matter what. And COVID has been politicized since day one, anyhow. But just use your common sense, you know. And I remember my dad when back when uh, 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 on eBay you could get you, people. Remember they had the mask shortage and people were paying hundreds oh, yeah. of dollars for masks. My dad going to the store. Uh, without not having a mask, putting uh, cotton balls up in his nose just because it was some sort of protection in those early days. And as kind of, yeah, we kind of chuckle at that now, but, you know, that was very pragmatic, yep. you know, and taking it seriously. And as somebody who was in his 80s, I'm really glad and proud of him that um, that he he took that um, that type of step. So let's remember, folks, gotta, uh, in order to learn from the past, we need to remember the past and uh, help that inform the decisions that we are, are making now. Um, caregiving, 
uh, can be an overwhelming challenge, and it certainly was during uh, COVID. But um, just in normal, everyday, regular times, um, it can be overwhelming, especially if you are not prepared for it. Caregiving has been uh, a huge priority for AARP, uh, not only nationally, but right here in North Carolina. And to talk about this a little bit more in a detailed fashion, there's nobody better at AARP North Carolina uh, to talk to about this than our Associate State Director of AARP North Carolina, based in the triad area, Mr. Mark Hensley. Mark, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Mike. I'm delighted to be with you today. Now, for the sake of clarity for our audience, um, I want to begin by talking about your title and what your job is, because there's likely some confusion, or at the very least, most people listening don't know what an associate state director at AARP is and, and what it means. So can you tell us a bit, what is it that you do with AARP? Absolutely. So first of all, in North Carolina, we have um, 1.2 million members just in North Carolina, but we have only 11 full-time paid staff. So I'm a full-time team member of AARP North Carolina, who in partnership with a dedicated group of volunteers, carries out AARP's grassroots agenda here in Central North Carolina. Um, Mike, we do this three ways, um, through information and education of the of individuals in the community. Um, also, number two is through advocacy. We connect with our elected officials. We are connecting um, with both uh, nonprofit organizations as well as government uh, facilities who serve the citizens of our community. And then lastly is just through engagement with our members um, by doing community service, by holding events where we are doing that one-on-one -on -one touch. And this is all done in partnership with a I have a dedicated team of about 48 volunteers that I work with on an ongoing basis. Thank you, Mark. There's always uh, a remarkable amount of work going on in your neck of the woods, and most of it being led by volunteers, as you, you just said there. Tell us a bit about your volunteer network. Who are they, what they're doing, and um, of all the great activity that's been going on there now for years, what stands out to you as the most significant volunteer-led initiatives? Sure. So let me just tell you, we have a diverse group of volunteers. They started in their mid-50s and they go up through their 80s and they all have colorful backgrounds in education, business and industry and lived experience. I really want to highlight three things quickly that stand out for me in the triad. First of all is AARP livable and age-friendly communities. This is all volunteer-led with amazing community partners. We actually have seven emerging age-friendly communities here in the triad. Some are rural, some are towns, some are entire counties. But this work is very personal to our volunteers because it's about making where they live as great as it can be and as responsive to the needs of people as they age. Next is advocacy. As I've mentioned already, our volunteers meet with all members of Congress and their staffs representing the triad. As a nonpartisan organization, AARP advocates on the issues that are important to the 50 plus. And then lastly is our DIY Speakers Bureau. These are actual presentations that our volunteers make on how to protect yourself from fraud, um, decluttering, brain health, and the list goes on. And a, a remarkable body of work that they're that they're doing, Mark. And for those who are unaware, uh, you know, ARP to a lot of people means a lot of different things. 
You know, we could, we've certainly done shows. Actually, we did a past episode on that. What is ARP and what is it not? Um, what a lot of folks don't realize is that in more than 60 years of our existence, um, the vast majority of work that we have done and the impact that we have has, has been led by volunteers specifically, not by paid staff, but by volunteers just like the kind that uh, Mark works with and that he was just speaking with. When we get back after the break here, folks, we're going to talk to Mark a bit about caregiving resources um, and how to tap into them. This is AARP Without Limits. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is AARP Without Limits. Send us a note, folks, AARP Without Limits at aarp.org. You can always check us out, of course, on Facebook, AARP North Carolina, or go to aarp.org slash North Carolina for information on what your AARP is doing here in the Tar Heel State. We've been speaking today with Mark Hensley, who's the Associate State Director, ARP North Carolina, based in the triad. I have to say, Jason, before we get to our question, um, one of my best moments, one of my proud moments, you know, when you're, when you're a manager, when, you, when you're a people manager, as we say, and you hire people, um, you feel really good when you make a good hire. <laughs> <laughs> I had been here, and we had a vacancy uh, for Mark's job years ago, and um, one of my first big tasks was to find the right person for what was going to be a really big, important job there. Um, there was a lot of energy. We had a lot of longtime volunteers there who really needed some structure and guidance um, and, and, and some expertise in some really key areas, not to mention some tremendous skill sets. And I have to say, I was hearing all a lot about this guy, Mark Hensley. I had met Mark and uh, was delighted when he had interviewed. And um, yeah, he has been leading the way, or should I say carrying the torch and the volunteers leading the way um, ever since. And I'm just so grateful that uh, Mark has been with us and is continuing to represent uh, our organization and 1.2 million ARP members in the state here so well. Mark, want to talk to you about caregiving now. Um, we've discussed this, this topic on this show before, but as you know, you can never provide too much information and support to people on this. Um, for most people, they don't learn about it until unfortunately they have to. So first, let's give folks an understanding how big of an issue is caregiving here in our state? Well, I always say this is the everyone issue. Um, it, to give you some, some statistics, the 65 plus population will nearly double in North Carolina from 1.5 million to 2.5 million in the next 20 years. And that's important because we're not repopulating the state. There's not as many younger people coming behind, so there's going to be a dramatic need for unpaid caregivers of this boom in population of people 60 and older. Another statistic that really stuns me is every 60 seconds in this country, someone is diagnosed with dementia. And we know dementia is different because it slowly eradicates a person's ability to be independent. These numbers and many others are staggering. In North Carolina, we have 1.3 million caregivers that are unpaid in the state. Those are daughters and sons, neighbors, grandchildren. That, if we had to replace what they're doing and pay for it, it would cost over $13 billion. That's a $13 billion with a B economic value. So the toll of caregiving is emotional. It is physical because it requires you to do lifting and moving, and it's also financial. In 2021, AARP conducted a national survey and found that most caregivers on average are spending over 7 
$1,200 out of their pocket for necessities that their loved one needs, but there's no payment source. Mm. Unbelievable. Uh, that that dollar figure of the, the cost of unpaid caregiving is astounding. And that's something we at ARP have been trying to highlight for some years, especially to elected officials and, and other leaders um, so they can understand just how big of an issue this is, the fact that um, there are resources that are needed uh, to help support these people who are doing this uncompensated um, uh, caregiving work. Mark, what are some of the resources that are available uh, to people who are currently caregivers um, who need to learn about getting help? Well, I want to just, if, if you hear nothing else today, there is one source in North Carolina that I'm very proud of, and it is so easy to remember, and that is on your phone to dial 211. If you're anywhere in the state, cell phone, landline, it doesn't matter. If you dial those numbers, 211, 24 hours, seven days a week, a live person will answer the phone. And the purpose is, if you have a non-emergency health uh, human services need, so you are living alone and you don't have enough food, uh, enough money to buy groceries. There are programs that help people. Um, if you need utility assistance, you know, we had that really cold um, uh, period around Christmas where it was so cold and people's electric bills doubled. So NC211 is a hotline that you can call and receive referrals based on the needs that you have or that you as a caregiver have. Across North Carolina, we have programs called Area Agencies on Aging, and they have a national family caregiver support program within, within their facility, and these are staff that provide information, they do education, um, they provide support groups in the community, they offer supplemental services like they may be able to pay for um, incontinence supplies or the medical alert bracelet, and then some even have funding to provide respite care, and respite is so key because respite is short-term intermediary time when someone else comes in and relieves that caregiver so they can take a break. That's all they need is to take a break. Um, also here in the triad, there are standing programs like Caregiver Connect. Mount Zion Baptist Church, which is a, a large African-American church here in Greensboro, saw the need of their parishioners facing issues around caregiving. So in partnership with AARP, they started a nonprofit called Caregiver Connect that, again, just provides that line of support and resources and education. In North Carolina, we have something called Adult Children of Aging Parents, or ACAP, and this is a grassroots model providing monthly educational programs in the community. And AARP, this is one of our top priorities. So not only are we advocating for the needs of caregivers on Capitol Hill and in each General Assembly across the country, we also have programs designed and resources designed for our members and the general public at large. Thank you so much for that, Mark. And I know folks listening, that was a lot uh, that Mark just shared. But as he said at the top there, if you remember one thing, it's NC211. Pick up your phone and you dial 211 and you're able to be connected with a person who can help you navigate Whatever, whatever type of healthcare-related uh, um, uh, navigation you require, especially when it comes to caregiving, understanding the resources that are there, the respite I think is something that a lot of people are 
are very happy to learn about <laughs> when they're in the midst of this. They learn about the resources and they say, wait a minute, you mean I can take a break? There's actually a program that will allow me to step away and get a breather and kind of, you know, compose myself, um, you know, and uh, decompress, should I say, and uh, and then get back in there. Tremendous. Uh, we had uh, Heather Black from um, uh, NC211 on here as a guest back a couple of months ago. And as I said before, there is no such thing as too much information or too much repetition when it comes to sharing these resources. Uh, Mark, for those who are not yet caregivers, and I say yet because there's a really good chance that every person listening to this is going to become a caregiver, how important is it for them to have a plan? And how do they go about developing one? So, Mike, it's not a question of if, but when. Caregiving affects all relationships. It is also rarely fair or equitable, and family caregiving disrupts your normal ebb and flow of your life. It can be stressful, it can be demanding, but many people reflect on their caregiving as being somewhat of a rewarding and even a divine experience because they're giving of themselves. It can last six to eight years, but it can last up to 20 for some people. So where do you start? How do you make a plan? Go to your computer and it's very simple to Google AARP Prepare to Care. There's a free download of a booklet that is a five-step process for starting your journey on how to be a prepared caregiver. Um, this five-step process is has been vetted through AARP and we teach it across the nation, but this booklet contains step-by-step forms so that you can be responsive. A plan is key, so developing that plan is key. It's just like taking a vacation. You don't just get in the car, start it, and start driving. You actually sit down, make reservations, you map out your trip, you pack, and you have a plan, and you have a map. That is so wise, Mark. I love that analogy about going on a trip. And, and you know, when you have to deal with a situation that is very, very stressful, your mind isn't thinking clearly, right? You know, you it's really hard for you to be mentally composed enough to be able to know what is the problem, where do I need to go for help, and then you process it and take action. It's so much easier if you think about it ahead of time, you have a plan, and then this way your brain is trained for when you actually need to use that. It's just... Uh, you know, the emotions can be there and you're able to, to move forward and, and get the support that you need. Mark, thanks so much uh, for being with us. Um, folks, if you have any questions for Mark, if you'd like to get in contact with Mark, you can reach out to us directly here at the show, which again is AARP without limits at aarp.org. In addition, that's the place to go to send us your feedback, your suggestions, your recommendations for future guests and topics. We do want to hear from you. As always, reach out on our Facebook as well, AARP North Carolina. Thanks to Mark Hensley for being our guest. Thanks to Jason Kong for production. Thank you for listening. This has been AARP Without Limits. I'm Mike Olander signing off. <laughs>